And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. We have with us the esteemed author, philosopher, and thinker, Mr. Jeff Rovin. Jeff and I collaborated on three novels together, Abuse of Power, Countdown to Mecca, A Time for War. I'm going to read something to you. I have to get permission. It just arrived in my inbox a second ago. And the minute I get a yes, a press release was just sent to me that I can't read to you yet. That has everything to do with everything we're talking about. Yes, here we go. You ready for this, Jeff? It's a press release that I just got that I knew about. And here it is, Jeff. I sent it to you. I'll try to read it off my iPhone. Did you get it yet, Israel Friends? No, not yet. I'll read it. Billionaire energy drink entrepreneur Russ Weiner donates $1 million to provide defensive, tactical, protective gear for Israeli soldiers through Israel Friends. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Middle East on the brink. North Korea on the brink. Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989-898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. October 17, 2023, Russ Wine, a billionaire energy drink entrepreneur, today announced that he has swiftly donated $1 million to Israel Friends. The funds are immediately going towards providing life-saving, defensive, I can hardly read this, defensive, here it is, defensive tactical protective gear for Israeli reservists, which is being urgently flown from the U.S., this vital defense equipment will serve the Israeli heroes as they continue to fight against Hamas's terrorist attack. Russ Weiner says all wealthy people who want to maintain and preserve our way of life and the freedoms we enjoy in America should support Israel in their time of need. This is a wake-up call for all of humanity to understand what could happen to them unless Israel is victorious, end quote. Israel Friends, who is working with Israeli officials, including the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, to provide humanitarian aid and defensive protective tactical support wherever it will make the most impact has raised over $6 million since October 14th. 
the organization chartered a plane from Los Angeles to Israel, carrying over 150 reservists, volunteers, and critical cargo, including medical equipment and protective equipment for all Israelis who find themselves at risk during this time. Mr. Weiner and his real friends remain steadfastly committed to providing essential supplies, equipment, etc., ensuring a sustained and comprehensive humanitarian response to the crisis. That's my son, Jeff. Yes. He stepped up. I, I didn't encourage it. In fact, I told him he should think twice about becoming so prominently associated with the situation. But and I, well, that's interesting. Why did you? Why did you say that? Why did you do that? Why would I tell him to hold back? Yeah. Well, let's say I'd rather not discuss it right now uh, on this pod- podcast. Okay. But my son always does what he thinks is best, which is why he's more successful than I am in many ways. Okay, but ex- extend that to New York, where I was reading reports about Jews who were cautioned not to wear a Star of David, not ah. to wear a pal pen uh, with the Israeli flag for, for fear of violence. How the hell did we get to that? I don't know. All I know is this is going to change my son's life forever. In many ways, and I think all good. So he took a million dollars out of his own money and gave it to this this group providing ballistic vests and Kevlar helmets to Israel because they don't have them. And I kept saying, well, why don't they have them? That's one of the greatest scandals in modern American and, and Israeli history. Where, where did they go? Where did the money go? We send Israel billions of dollars a year. Who stole it? Or were these items sent to Israel and then sent to Ukraine by Israel? Jeff, it's a big story that's not been told yet. Yeah, well, the same with Ukraine, the same with how much of it is kickback. There's there's so, as I said at the at the top of this podcast, there are so many moving parts that to try to understand or predict is virtually impossible. What's all that stuff on your table? Uh, these are uh, these are Japanese um, Japanese uh, figures, uh, which go date back to my childhood of Godzilla and uh, similar <laughs> similar creatures. Well, look, think about that, Godzilla, the fire breathing radioactive engine of destruction in 1954, was inspired by the atomic bomb by people who had uh, the the producer and the special effect, the director and the special effects man had lived through Hiroshima and they wanted to express what they felt in a film. If you go back and look at that original Godzilla, it's terrifying. It's, it's, especially when you see the victims of the, 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 the mother protecting her child as, as fire rains down. This is not just a monster movie. They were Japanese pro- writers and producers. They were made in Jap. They were made the, God, first Godzilla was made in Japan, and it's, Unbelievable. it's frightening. So, so they lived through a terror unlike any the world. And they ever. wanted to express it in terms that the, the mass market could understand, and they succeeded incredibly well. We're going to talk about the world today, and it's going to revolve around radical Islam or Islam itself, because people do not understand that it is not a religion like any other in many ways. Now, I have met Muslims who don't follow the fanaticism, just as there are Jews who are Jewish who do not follow the fanaticism of the ultra Haredi, uh, etc. There are Christians who are normalized to human beings who don't follow the uh, the tenets of uh, the apocalypse. But in order to understand what's going on in the world today, Jeff, I think we have to explain to the people who the 12th Mahdi is. 
which I think we covered in one of the books, the 12th Mahdi, they believe is the 12th prophet that has to return or arrive. Some think he's still around since the 8th century. And there must be an apocalypse before there can be world peace. The 12th Mahdi is expected to appear when the world is racked by utter chaos and war. A judgment day, in other words. So think about this in relationship to Iran's warlike mentality, provoking Israel and the United States, calling Israel little Satan and America the big Satan. And we are facing them through their proxies of Hamas in Gaza and Hezbollah in uh, Lebanon. And God knows where they are here in the United States of America. They're killing people in Europe. And the Europeans are so weak that they haven't even deported those who say they're going to kill them. So, Jeff, I turn the floor over to you. Do you believe that the, the, that the 12th Mahdi idea is behind most of this craziness? I can't say that for sure. I don't oh. know. And Why I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Something I, you I, don't I, know? I, I am sure that with any uh, fanatic element within a religion, there are people who believe A, B, or C. Okay. Uh, so, so to say that everybody is of the same cut from the same cloth, to say that it's a, an homogenous belief system, uh, is is inaccurate. Um, and I think you also have to look at the origins of anti-Semitism when when you talk about um, about jihadists. You and I have grown up facing anti-Semitism in one form or another, and we're, we're now in our uh, uh, seventh and eighth decades, respectively. Uh, so we've seen we've seen a lot of that. And, um, you know, whether whether it was the Inquisition, which neither of us saw, uh, or uh, the Holocaust or the anti-Zionist movement now, it's um, it's all got a familiar flavor to it. And I think that's what we have to look at. Well, wait, uh, let, let's back up for a minute, Jeff. This is interesting to, to the listeners, I'm sure. This whole issue of, um, quote, anti-Semitism, when I, I get a little nervous when I hear those words, because the Arabs are also Semites. They don't quite understand it's not anti-Semitism. It's specifically anti-Jewishism, isn't it? It's not Semitism. Yeah, sure. If you want to, if you want to couch it in those terms, I think like everything else, it's taken on that particular meaning in in our culture today. Savage, the Savage Nation. It's Savage on demand. Okay. So, in our novels together, I want to go back to some of these novels. You also wrote all of the, all or most of the novels for the very the famous Tom, Clan Tom Clancy's op center. Yeah. And, and yeah. every, I mean, that's well established as a fact, correct? I mean, it, it, Tom Clancy himself has acknowledged it, correct? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So people should know that you have a vivid imagination to be able to write the Tom Clancy novels and work with me on these books and others. Let's use our imaginations together, Jeff. Let's just become two writers, which of course incorporates everything else in us. Tell the people what's going to happen in our novel called The World Today, where we have Biden on the same day that he's allegedly going to Israel 
to, to stop the Israelis from going into Gaza. God knows what he's going there for. We read that they secretly provided Zelensky, the madman, advanced U.S. artillery, which Zelensky is firing into Russia. First, Biden said he wouldn't do it. And now he suddenly transferred it to, our, to, to, to Zelensky and they're provoking Russia into a nuclear reaction. What the hell is going on here, Jeff? Well, look, at we we have to do a pullback either to incorporate all of this in a larger picture or we have to focus on the topic of the Gaza Strip. Um, let's take let's take the Mahdi. Uh, to begin with, you okay. know, back in back in the 1880s, uh, Khartoum was seized by the Mahdi. The British were driven out. Um, and uh, according to um, according to London, it was the end of the world, uh, certainly the world there. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the slaughter resulted in disease that ultimately destroyed the occupying forces and allowed the British to retake Khartoum. Uh, about a decade later. Uh, so if we look at history to repeat itself, there is no tyranny that survives. I'm actually more concerned about, you know, something Henry Kissinger said that I thought was um, was quite brilliant. Uh, and for, for a man who's uh, 100 years old, uh, mm-hmm. he, certainly, he certainly has amassed enough wisdom. Yes. But he was talking about any country that has a chaotic immigration policy is admitting pressure groups that are going to cause stress in the country. And there was a time, of course, with immigration in America, when people came from all over, became Americans, were proud to be Americans, were proud to embrace the American values, had a parade one day a year, and then went back to being Americans from being hyphenates for a day we've right. talked that's how I, I was raised the same way i was we only spoke english we we all we all well, actually my father spoke to me spoke to his friends in in russian and sometimes in in, in yiddish my mother spoke only english but i was only around english-speaking people we never really were anything in our own minds we were raised to be americans that's all we were. i was a boy scout went to you know all of that stuff Right. We embraced all of those things unquestioningly. And that's not happening anymore. And it stopped happening, you know, within within memory at green, unfortunately. The question becomes in any country, whether it is in in uh, in an Arab country in in Israel, in the United States, how long can these pressure groups, these identities continue to thrive before the center gives out? of the country. All these fractures just cause a collapse. It doesn't matter where it is. You know, we saw you, you saw it with uh, with Iraq, with uh, Hussein having to keep uh, the disparate groups together using extreme violence. You see it in Spain. You see it here now. So multiculturalism ultimately is the death of a nation. Is that what you're saying? Not not unless they are Americans first. Okay, got and it. That that is not happening anymore, and that is something that has to be rectified. I am way more concerned about that than I am about the rest of it. There was never a question about, you know, on on nine eleven, for example. You heard a few cranky voices saying, you know, we brought this on ourselves. Now you're hearing that 
much louder and much more widespread. You know, when you when you embrace an identity, whether it is cultural or national, uh, you are surrendering to the loudest voice of that identity. And so whether it's Black Lives Matter or the, uh, the Screen Actors Guild or whatever, the militants in any group are going to end up calling the shots. And that's what we're seeing now. So when you talk about the 12th Mahdi, and I, I referenced the previous Mahdi in, in Khartoum, history invariably repeats. And that does not concern me as much as the fractures in any opposition. Look at what Iran has had to do to suppress dissent in their own country. And you begin to understand that all of these things are held together with spit. And uh, I, well, this is not to dismiss the threat of radical Islam or any other kind of radical ideology. But um, you, have to, you have to understand, even in China, for example, that's not a monolithic society. Uh, somebody said recently that uh, we're becoming more like China with drag queens. And um, <laughs> as long as know, they can make as long as they can make dim sum, that's good. I don't really care if they're wearing a dress or a pair of pants. Jeff, yeah. I, I want to read a, a, a paragraph from our book, Countdown to Mecca. Yeah, I think it fits right in. So this is set in Israel. I won't give the plot away. Many people bought this book. You know, these are underestimated books, these through this trilogy of the Jack Hatfield trilogy. Um, we all stopped talking about radical Islam for the last number of years. We thought that they had gone away. They had become more moderate. They uh, we assume they had sort of blended into the modern world. They, too, had become multicultural. Yeah. But if and, you remember, let me just interject this. Go ahead. We we had this conversation because I said they're still pissed about the Crusades. They're yeah. still pissed. They're still pissed about the uh, Reconquista by El Cid uh, in Spain uh, when he when he went to war with the Moors. This stuff is is always in in their minds, and th that's not a value judgment. It's a fact. So they live in the past. So in this book, Countdown to Mecca, which is a phenomenal plot which I guess we could talk about, which is that there's an element of the U.S. military that wants to blow up Mecca. And our hero, Jack Hatfield, is racing to stop them, knowing that if these crazy people blow up Mecca during a Hajj, it'll be in the end of the world. Correct. So the so the book is really in defense of people, not not calling blowing up Mecca, but stopping the blowing up of Mecca. That's what people should know. Yeah, and any responsible novelist is going to look at both sides. Any novelist, filmmaker, whatever, and uh, other otherwise, you're not being fair with the reader. Savage, the Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Okay, so here's a, a paragraph. Countdown to Mecca. The upper echelons of the United States military, from the president down to the entire general staff, had forgotten their collective duty. Sound familiar? Now, this was written, <coughs> published in, uh, I have to go back, because they think it just started today under Biden. Uh, maybe it turned back a little bit under, uh, under Trump. Maybe he restored some of the, you know, I think this book was published in 20, I have to find the date, St. Martin's Press, 2015, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. 
The upper echelons of the United States military, from the president down through the entire general staff, had forgotten their collective duty. They had grown soft and indecisive in their misguided desire for peace at any cost, satisfied to let the tide of Islam slowly envelop the world. How many Middle Eastern governments would have to fall to Muslim extremists before Americans, America's leaders woke up and realized the folly of their peaceful ambitions? First, the Egyptian government had been overthrown and taken over by Hamas. Then Gaddafi was deposed with the help of American air support, only to see Al-Qaeda move in and set up house. And now it looked as though Syria would be the next to fall. Ashlock believed that something bold and decisive had to be done to cauterize the growing malignancy of Islam. And since no one in the upper echelons of any Western government possessed the resolve to take this decisive action, it appeared that he would have to do it for them. That's in our fictionalized countdown to Mecca. You can't even yeah. find these books anymore. They're not even available, I think, used anywhere. So I'm not here selling a book. I'm actually disseminating an idea. Yeah, but we have to stress again, and I, I would probably change that wording uh, today. Uh, no, I would change it in this sense. The the concern is is jihad. It's the concern is not Islam. If you've read the Quran, you know that there's a great deal of beauty and uh, uh, intelligence in there, and I, I think you find that in in any um, original original doctrine of any religion. Um, but Jeff, it's the same with the Old Testament. It's filled with beautiful poetry and also such hatred that the world cannot take. Right. Well, how you could go from the Gospel of Matthew to uh, the Inquisition is pretty scary. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just, you I know. should hit a cowbell. I should have hit a bell on that one. <laughs> well, but this is how, this how is, did that? How did they go from the, <laughs> the Gospel of Matthew to the Inquisition? How did that happen? Well, you know, if you go back, go back to, to Genesis, you know, didn't God, God say, um, you know, the the day that you eat uh, of the apple, you shall surely die. And in a way, we've been we've been screwing up since the beginning. Um, this is this is all on us. The, the yogic tradition would call it karma, uh, which is actually it, that's not like there's a, a cosmic scorekeeper. The idea of karma is that we keep making the same stupid mistakes because it's baked into our DNA. And that's something that you have to break. We're not doing that. Well, but we're dealing with um, Hamas now. Let's go back to what you just said. Let's focus on Gaza for a minute. Okay. It's in everyone's on everyone's mind, right? Let's play out the chess game right now. There's no question Hamas wants Israel to invade. Then they're waiting for them. Because no matter how many buildings Israel has bombed from the air using satellites, they're astounding to watch on TV. It's actually sh shocking to see these things raining down from drones, taking down entire buildings. But they're not there. They are underground. Correct. Okay, so they're waiting for the IDF boys to come in. Incidentally, many of whom do not have ceramic vests nor Kevlar helmets. Helmets. That's a whole separate story. Where did all that money go that we were sending Israel? And, and who, by the way, a lot of them don't even have training yet. I was talking to a friend over there whose uh, sister ha has been uh, sent into the war, and she's just basically in boot camp. God. So, okay, so they have no vests, no, no ceramic vests, and the 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 mist. Sorry, the bullets that they are using go right through a regular vest and kill people. 
Hamas. They have such powerful ammunition. So w- the vests, no vests, no Kevlar helmets. W- where did they go? They went to Ukraine. See, I don't know this for a fact, Jeff, but my guess is Biden, meaning Blinken, Biden, Sullivan, Newland, that whole group of Fabian socialists, to call them by a nice set of names. I call them Fabian socialists. I like that's that. Very British of, that's very British of you, Michael. Yeah, it's very British of me, yes. Uh, how 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 pinstripey. So they probably told Netanyahu, send them to Ukraine. You don't need them. We provided them. And the Ukrainians have all these extra vests and Kevlar helmets, which are, by the way, being sold all over the world on the black market, incidentally. But Israel doesn't have them is the point. No, and, and the same with ammunition. We're, we're going to run out. We, we've been giving it away to Ukraine, and uh, there's just not enough to go around. So Russia's sucking, the, Russia's sucking the whole game into their playbook, which is we thought we would deplete them of men and weaponry. But in fact, they've dug in such defensive positions that, in fact, we are being depleted of our weaponry. Isn't that true in Ukraine? Yeah. Yes. And here's look, here's the fallacy of of warfare. And I I forget whether it was Napoleon or somebody else who's credited with the idea that Mm. uh, no plan of battle survives the initial encounter with the enemy, Uh which is why which is why the teachings of of Kung Fu, which, as you know, I've 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 practiced for most of my life. Right. um, People should understand you're not just a skinny old Jewish guy. You're actually (laughs) <laughs> you may be a skinny old Jewish guy, but you're a very advanced martial artist. Well, a lot, a lot of those skinny old seafoods also in their eighties <laughs> and nineties are still uh, are still uh, uh, able able to fight. But the point is, <laughs> you don't start a fight, and if you must respond to a fight, you have to be mobile, fluid. You have got to. Uh, not not just plant your feet, stand there and throw punches, mm. right? So this this tactic applies as well to the military, but the military is built around the idea that you just hammer the out of your opponent. And uh, look, I'm not I, I'm I'm not a general. I don't know what's going through their minds. But to your point about uh, assuming what Russia was going to do or not going to do was a mistake. You have to remain fluid. You have to look around who else is in this game. We were so eager to push NATO onto Putin's doorstep right. that we forgot what, you know, when, when, when something fills a vacuum, it's going to pop up somewhere else. And so this, this was the weak point, Ukraine. Um, and I don't, but, but it's the Biden I'm calling them by the nice name, Fabian socialists who designed to provoke Russia. In fact, Zelensky ran on a platform as a peace candidate saying, I will not provoke Russia. We will not join NATO. That's why Zelensky was elected, the comedian. But was this, you know, again, and, and we're not we're not in the situation room where these things are white papered. But was the thinking, well, if if. Putin is humiliated in Ukraine, then maybe China will not will think twice about taking Taiwan. Yeah, we don't we don't know what the psychological what the, what the psyops of this was. Uh, and you know what? On another level, who cares? Because right. 
everything spirals out of control despite yeah. what they think in their nice their right. nice. So let's say they meant they meant one thing and it wound up another. Meanwhile, we're in deep deep uh, waters right now. We're running out of artillery ammunition. We we don't have any. What is 155 millimeter, Jeff? Is that right? It? Right. Yeah. Now, see, if you, I, I just want to return to one one thing before we move on to on to the ammunition. Us returning to a point that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> you asked if we were if we were plotting this, what would it look like? What is the ultimate goal? Is the ultimate goal a new world order? Is the ultimate goal to take down Iran by having them overstretch themselves? If so, then releasing $6 billion of frozen assets was probably a mistake. But was would we have started with the premise, what would it take to get Israel to nuke Iran's nuclear nascent nuclear capabilities? Wait, let's pause right here, because this is what I play the chess game at. Out in my mind of what's going on. Savage. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. Israel is the only nuclear power in that region. Correct. So far as we know, in right. Yeah. We don't know about mobile nukes or suitcase nukes that could be in the hands of Hamas. We don't know any of that. Or what North Korea might be furnishing. But let's say that they're the only nuclear power. So Israel now is being sucked into Gaza and they've suddenly stopped their 300,000 from going in. This has gone on for a week now. No one knows why. And Biden's there trying to stop it. Okay, so Israel's afraid to rush in all of a sudden, realizing the same people who caught them off guard by attacking the kibbutz and slaughtering, murdering, raping and taking hostages has planned this reaction. Stupid, stupid or not. So they figured that Israel would then come into Gaza. And then what What would they do? Let's think like the enemy. Obviously, what they're going to do, they're going to capture a lot of Israeli troops and hang them out to dry in the middle of the world, hang them off buildings while they're naked and say, now we have more hostages. What would have unified warring Iraq and Iran other than an attack on the Arab world in general? Mm-hmm. Okay, back back in the day of, of uh, nothing. Of so we've unified. We've organized the, the warring Shia and Sunni together, turn them against Israel and the world right now, almost all of them. So let's play the scenario. Here's my nightmare novelist scenario. And don't forget, by the way, those fractures in American society as well with these people who were who were, who were cheering. Yes. Uh, what, what did one Cornell professor call it? Awesome and exciting. Yes. Good for him. What a wonderful genius that one is. Well, yeah. as the donors dry up at Cornell, Columbia, NYU and Harvard, uh, the huge donors, the big donors, the billionaire J- Jewish donors, I might say, let's not hide and mince words. Right. Uh, uh, Ackman. Is it Ackman, the, the, the hedge fund guy? Yeah, the billionaire. Yeah. The, so once they pull their money from these universities, these third worlders, pardon me, who they've put in place running these ex beautiful Ivy League institutions, which have turned into cesspools of hate. What are they going to do for money? Who are they going to turn to? But that's a separate question. So I'm going to just play out my little novelist scenario. OK, so Gaza Hezbollah is holding back waiting for Israel to go into Gaza so that most of their troops are deployed there. And then Hezbollah will unleash on the north everything that they have. So Israel have a two front war with almost all their troops in Gaza or aimed at Gaza. 
That's what, those are two fronts. But no one sees the third front. And the third front could occur as follows. People forget that during the Iran-Iraq war, Shia versus Sunni, during the Iran-Iraq war, Iran wasted one million boys, running them over Iraqi minefields. They, they wasted a million of their own children, the Iranians. A million were killed, running over minefields placed by other Muslims. Life means nothing to them, Jeff. So what is to prevent Iran from running a million conscripts into Israel via whatever country, whatever corridor you want? And Israel now has three fronts, limited men, limited weapons. What are they? What's Israel going to do in my novel? They're going to do what they have to do, and they're going to go nuclear. They're they're the only ones with a nuclear weapon. What are they going to do? What's David going to do? David's going to throw the rocket Goliath, isn't he? Well, it also depends on which way the wind's blowing, because you don't want all that fallout coming back on uh, Tel Aviv if you're Israel. Um, but there's there's one other thing, which is what happens in the United States. Okay, uh, so we've got we've got carriers in the Mediterranean, and, and so Iran gets in, and we have to participate in aerial combat, fly cover, et cetera, et cetera. Protests erupt in the United States, anti-war, pro-Palestinian. What? How long does this go on? Well, maybe into next year's presidential election. Is that perhaps an end game if we're writing a novel, if we're starting from yeah, the Of course. End? How did FDR maintain power for so many administrations? War. War always use, unites a population. But this brings us back to Netanyahu. I don't particularly care for him right now. I blame him because he was in power at the time. He's the one who let it happen. I don't care about him being divided, fighting the Supreme Court issue, blah, blah, blah. Whatever happened was under his watch. Yeah, but then again, th- think about what you just said about war. You know, did FDR know about Pearl Harbor? We've did, also, did he, did we he have the intelligence? We right. heard that, yeah, right. We've we've heard that conspiracy was the only way to get us into World War II, uh, which um, uh, whether it's true or not is not going away. No. So again, we don't know what the end games are. You know, there there's a wonderful uh, quantum physicist, John Polkinghorne, who uh, oh, top, say top, say his name John, again, John Polkinghorne. 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 He's was, a nuclear physicist? He was a physicist at Cambridge. He was particle physicist, quantum theory, chaos theory, all of that. And he got to a point, he said, that things made no sense in the quantum world. Particles were appearing in the same place twice. They were going back in time. So you know what he did? Wow. He left He left that field because he couldn't explain it. And he, he, became, became, a, and he became an ethnobotanist and a talk show host. Not quite, but close. He became an Anglican priest. He oh, said he, Lord. he would approach the problem from a different point of view. And I think in a way, because I, I told you I was kind of avoiding a lot of the news uh, before I even. Yes, came on. you did. I couldn't because, reach you for two weeks. I thought you had died. Yeah, well, God, for, you know, God forbid. God forbid. Yeah, no, I, no. I started to panic. I said, Jeff usually answers and says I'm not available. And there's no Jeff. So I said, oh, God, no, what do you I want can't. me to say about you frying shrimp? I mean, really, is there, is there something I need to contribute to that discussion? Did you enjoy it? I did. I didn't have any. I watched your your uh, your uh, it, tutorial in cooking. By the way, um, it was the best shrimp dish I ever made last night. It was shrimp bafangu. Uh, yes, I know. That was my title. Point, 
the point is, is you, we have information overload, we have opinion overload, we have expert overload, and it's not going to go the way any of any us go- is saying. Ah, okay, hold it. There all. we go. There we go. So this is chaos theory. Yeah, well, it's it's chaos, period. I don't know if there's any theory involved. In <laughs> um, See, I knew, we'd not- have, I knew we'd have fun today. I love it. So yeah. we, we're, it's not chaos theory. It's just chaos. So we don't know what could happen. This is no this is no knock on any of the people you've had on the podcast or or uh, or anybody Eric Bowling over on Newsmax or any of these people that they have responsible intelligent articulate people on but I remember during during the writers guild strike cuz I had some stuff um with Hollywood and producers were telling me this is how it's going to go this is how it's going to oh. I heard a dozen different theories and it went none of those ways Ooh, that is, you mean you're actively still involved you're still involved with Hollywood Yeah 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 people yeah, should know you're you're a screenwriter and you do other- uh, not a screenwriter. I, I just sell. I just sell my intellectual property. But but uh, that's that's not the point. The well, point you have written screenplays, haven't you? No, no, I, I don't. I don't. Enjoy oh, that's that. not your expertise. Okay. Comic books, yes. Screenplays, no. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about four hundred other episodes available for you to listen to, absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.